777. This promo is in partnership with NLA on the Characters platform. Terms and conditions apply. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> Oh, make a do video calls up then take the gods young people that you show you. Every morning you the tear calls, they browse talent. Something they day. Hey, God, the way town make hot. I grow best one if you know. If it be you where you get Vodafone one gonna promote them out. 20 minutes talk time to call all networks where you start get data one gig from 5 a.m. to 1159 a.m. Bye. How can you go do pass me self and You dial star 530 hash. Make we enjoy. You go feel subscribe as many times as you want. Yes, plantain Yo, sweet Amma, take this by Vodafone one gonna bundle. Moku vibe plus video calls and taste. You catch the vibe. Early morning, 5 a.m. sharp. Vodafone, further together. Just when you thought you've seen it all and done it all, guess what the next big one is? Adansi Travels, the 2022 GTA Best Tour operator in Ghana, in partnership with your cruise people, brings you the most exciting cruise to happen in a lifetime to Greece, Turkey, Italy, and Spain. Dubbed the Special Euro Cruise and Land Tour. On this trip, you will have an unforgettable experience exploring Santorini, Mykonos, Kushadasi, and Patmos. Afterwards, you will also be on land touring Athens, Rome, and Barcelona to crown it all with a refreshing vibe of music and entertainment and the magnificent Camp Nou Stadium. Join this amazing cruise from 6th to 17th April 2023 for just $4,500 covering flight, visa, all-inclusive cruise, hotels, and meals. This is too good a trip to miss. Contact Adansi Travels on 0595-500-817 or 0556-310-404 to book your spot now. Adansi Travels, fuel life's beauty. News night tonight. What the Nigeria has done today is the best thing to do. There is no party, there is nobody on earth that will be able to stop the legitimate Boku Naba from getting to Boku. I, I expect everything to return to normal. Government rejects newly skinned Boku chief and directs the rest of anyone parading himself as such over fears the move could escalate tensions in a conflict-ravaged town. We have details of a statement as bipartisan group of MPs from the Upper East region also condemn the enskinment. Such purported enskinment is null and void and will not be recognized by any institution. Pleasantly happy that uh, they have issued a statement condemning the act. But that's not enough. It should go further than that and make sure that the fellow doesn't act as a chief. Tonight, Attorney General defiant, insisting he has no intention of withdrawing his legal advice to the Auditor General telling him not to publish audit reports before parliamentary probes following the scandal of revelations in the COVID-19 audit. I think it's actually very much unjustified, unwarranted. Indeed, I've said for one to um, suggest that I ought to withdraw the letter that constitutionally I was mandated and to write. Uh, we have details as insists Center for Democratic Development got it wrong. Also tonight, put the human being at the center of the anti-LGBTQ bill debate. That's the call from Archbishop of Canterbury as he meets with President Akufado. Is to remember that when we talk about human sexuality, we're dealing with people. And they're people for whom Christ died, as for all of us. So what's the president's response? But the, the parliament is, is in full grace with that. I will have my say on it at the end of the day. In business. January monthly inflation rates witnessed the lowest growth over the past year. But as inflation finally picked, we get more answers from the government statistician. And in sports, we hear from former Manchester City player Julian Lescott, who has been speaking exclusively to Joy Sports on how Ghana's Kamal Din Suleiman can thrive in the English Premier League. Mm. 
Uh, you want to join us uh, for that and more, uh, plus your comments, 055 My name is Evan Smith, and we start tonight uh, from Boko, where government is uh, tonight condemning the skimment of a new Boko chief today at Nalirigu in the uh, northeast region amidst rising tensions in a conflict-ravaged town now of Boko. Uh, government says it only recognizes the Naba Asigri Abugrago Azoka II as a rightful chief of Boko and any other person holding himself as such must be arrested. The directive follows a ceremony this afternoon that saw the skinment of Nasi du Abugri Kuluga II by the overlord of Mankrugu. Already a bipartisan group of MPs from the Upper East region have also condemned the skinment. We have more on that shortly. But first, amidst heavy security presence, the new chief called on the people of Boko to end all hostilities and embrace peace. Elias Otanko filed this report. The enskimment was done Thursday morning by the king of the Mampurgo traditional area of which Boko is said to be part. Now, Bohoko Abdelai Mahami Sheriga, together with his royal court members, it started with the arrival of the families and sympathizers of the four Mampurgo gate in Boko. Soon, scores of people in around Nalirgu began to gather at the palace to witness the historic enskimment of a Boko Naba by a Mampurgo overlord after nearly 40 years. However, while the processes were ongoing, members of the Northeast Regional Security Council, led by the Regional Minister Yidana Zakari, arrived at the palace in the company of heavily armed security forces. The presence of the Regional Minister briefly halted the process as the crowd erupted in opposition against his presence and demanded that he leave the place. After a brief opposition from the crowd, Mr. Yidana, following the intervention of the palace elders, was allowed to engage the overlord in a short private conversation. Whilst on his way out after the meeting with the overlord, the crowd began to hoot at him and his delegation. A palace elder later told Joy News that the minister had come to accompany the overlord to Accra upon the invitation of President Nana Akufuado. The elder added that the overlord turned down the invitation and told the minister it was too late to stop the enskimment. The enskimment processes then resumed and soon ended with the announcement of Na Seidu Abagari with a chieftaincy titled Na Akuluga II as the new chief of the Boko Paramount scheme. Speaking to Joy News, some of the residents believe this enskimment will ensure the return of peace in Boko. The ban has never solved any problem. Bans have killed many people. We have seen many deaths. We have seen many men. We have seen many properties and lives destroyed. It has to stop. There is nothing like a Supreme Court ruling. So indeed, what the Nigeria has done today is the best thing to do. Indeed, this is a stepping stone to a resolution of the conflict or crisis in Boko. I would want to entreat politicians to respect the chieftaincy institution. So the government should rather pay attention or concentrate on how to ensure that lives and property are not lost there. But as for taking the chief home, in fact, the chief will soon be home. There is no party, there is nobody on earth that will be able to stop the legitimate Boku Naba from getting to Boku. I, I expect everything to return to normal as usual. So everybody in Mampurgo, Upper East, in Northeast, we are happy to see such a thing. The new chief is a popular retired educationist whose grandfather was the 12th Boko Naba. He was unanimously approved by the crowd as they burst into loud cheers amidst drumming and dancing. The new chief, Na Akuluga II, called for an end to all hostilities in Boko. Ilias Sutanko, reporting from Nalirgu for Joy News. Well, tonight the uh, government has issued a statement on the back of this scheme. And my uh, colleague, my Senior Major Thompson, joins us in the studio with details of this. What does the statement say? So, Evans, this is a very straightforward letter, strongly worded from the Ministry of Information, and I read verbatim. It says, the government condemns developments in Nalirigu today, February 15, 2023, concerning the purported enskinment of a new Bokunaba as illegal and a threat to national security. Government further reiterates that Naba Asikri Abu Grago Azoka II is the Bokunaba fully or duly gazetted and a number and a member of the national 
and Upper East Regional Houses of Chiefs. The security agencies have therefore been directed to arrest and prosecute any other person who holds himself out as a Bokunaba. Further, any developments that have the potential to undermine the peace of Boko will also be dealt with swiftly and in accordance with the law events. Mami, thank you very much. Uh, a bipartisan group of MPs from the Upper East Region in, in Parliament have also tonight condemned the rival chief. MPs say the purported skimment uh, is null and void and will not be recognized. Listen to MP Vozibela and former Majority Leader Cletus Avoka, who spoke on behalf of the group. It has come to the attention of the members of Parliament from Boko Central, Zebila, Binduri, Pusiga, Mpane, and Garu, who include Honorables Mahma Ayaraga, Kletis Avonka, Abanga Abdullahi, Haji Eladi Ayi Ayamba, Lydia Lamisa Kanvareba, and Honorable Albert Akuko Alazuga, Dade Nayiri Nabohugu Mahami Abdullah Sheriga II has purported to enskin a rival chief for Boku. This is unacceptable and should not come from a person of his stature. Such purported enskinment is null and void and will not be recognized by any institution under the 1992 constitution. The government of Ghana must take every step to ensure the maintenance of peace and security and hold perpetrators of this criminal act accountable. Meanwhile, the members of parliament for the area call on the people of the Kusak traditional area and its environs to remain calm and assure them that this unlawful conduct will not stand. We are watching closely the level of political will of the government of President Nana Akufo-Addo and Vice President Alaji Mahmoudou Bamuya in respecting the constitution of Ghana and the right of the Kusasi people to rule over their own land and to have their independence. The Zugrana, Naba Asigri Aburago Azoka II, who is the Bokunaba and president of the Kusa Traditional Council, remains the only recognized paramount chief of the Kusa Traditional Area as recognized by law. The conduct of the Nairi has the potential to aggravate the already precarious security situation in Boku, and this must be resisted. What do they want government to do more? Yes, we are, we are pleasantly happy that uh, they have issued a statement condemning the act, but that's not enough. It is not enough to condemn the act. It, is, it should go further than that and make sure that the fellow doesn't act as a chief. That is important. Not words alone, but action by government. There cannot be a rival chief in Boku. There is one chief recognized by law, and that should be respected by everybody under this constitutional dispensation. So government should not just say that we condemn it, but make sure it doesn't work. No rival chief exists in Boku. That cannot be tolerated. I'm very surprised that this incident could not be nipped in the bud. That could have been prevented. We all know that prevention is better than kill. I think that they have enough intelligence on the ground to have averted, I mean, informed government to avert this development. It is unfortunate that it wasn't averted. But we are still confident that the government of the day will make sure that there is no rival chief in Boku. I want to bring in uh, my correspondent, Eliasu Tanku, who has been following this for us uh, today. Uh, Eliasu, I am very curious. So this in Skimmen, was it done under police protection? Well, um, the police or the security arrived at the time that the preparations were about to start for the skimming. In fact, uh, the statement had already started, began when the regional minister led uh, another group of security forces to the area in attempt, as we understand, uh, to stop this particular process. And so, indeed, the police, the security was there uh, when this particular, sta- uh, um, this particular event or processes started. They were there till, from the beginning to the end. Uh, and it went ahead peacefully. Hello, Eliasu. Hello, Ivan. He went ahead peacefully. Yes, it did. It, it, it did well. I mean, go well uh, because uh, and there, there was no event and nothing happened. The only time that uh, the process 
was briefly erupted was when the regional minister came there and the crowd that had gathered at the palace had to hoot at him, uh, possibly uh, for him to leave the place. And so that was the only time that they had a brief uh, interruption of the process. But it resumed and went on successfully. Uh, thank you very much, Elias, uh, for joining us with some clarity on that uh, situation. I want to bring in uh, security analyst Adam Bonan, who follows this very closely. Mr. Bonan, thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you for having me, Evans. So we've seen the statement from the government, and I'm curious. I mean, Elias confirms that this enskimment, which the government now describes as illegitimate and now has directed the arrest of this individual who has been skinned happened under police protection i mean it begs the question did the government know it was happening before and if the police was involved doesn't that suggest that the the state apparatus should have known this and possibly stopped it it's difficult it's difficult to tell if the state security know of what was going to happen but at least i was privy i've been privy to this for uh you know the about two weeks now i have I've, i knew you know such a thing was going to happen uh, you know the last few weeks and so and i might have shared you know snippets of information with uh some of them i deal with and so but i it's difficult to tell if they know because i didn't have the exact date in mind. I only knew something they were going to, there was going to be some sort of enskinment. But when it was going to take place, I didn't know. It was this dawn, I received a call to listen into the appellations and, you know, the drumming, uh, you know. And so I listened to a lot of the things that went on, uh, you know, this morning. And so, yes, I have been privy to some of the things. The only thing I, I, but I cannot tell. If they, they knew of it uh, before today, I, I don't know. I mean, so we've seen the directive now. Arrest him. The police are under instruction to do so when they find him. Um, what do you make of that approach? Because now he's almost a wanted man. Any police officer who finds him will arrest him. Well, there are two things, three things that I believe this statement is supposed to do. When the enskinment was taking place, I received close to 1,000 calls from Boko, and the guys in Boko were threatening hellfire. They were massing up, and even at the background, some of them had to test their weapons for me to know that they were preparing. That uh, they had after the enskinment, uh, the, the, the person who has been enskinned will come, attempt to come into Boko, and they were go there. We should be expecting a massacre this morning. And I told them that shouldn't be. So I shared the information I have with the security, uh, the state security again. I'm sure they would have also knew it. And so that's one, to stop bloodshed. This, this uh, presser is supposed to stop a bloodshed. And also declaring the person who has been enskinned as an illegitimate chief, chief I believe is the right thing to do. Uh, our 1992 constitution, their processes achieved must go through before you are either elected, installed, or, you know, appointed as a chief. And you will we, you we know that you cannot have two parliaments within Boko, and you, do, you can't have that, you know, anywhere. You can't have a community where you have maybe two parliament chiefs. It doesn't happen that way. You can only have one. And so that, and that person we know has been gazetted. And so as far as I'm concerned, this second, uh, you know, and, and skinment, it's not even about what the government the government's position the government position if you ask me is neither here nor there the law makes it clear who achieved it and so the government probably is only trying to add to what the, the the position of the law and so i think that government should go beyond the rhetorics let's see government do better than it is doing some of us have called government out and said that government knows what it has to do government has the what it takes to deal with Boko, and this that has happened today is, is already making the situation move from bad to worse. And so going by what government has said, I'm expecting them to take some remedial actions and ensure that the bloodshed that the, the guys in Boko and the surrounding areas have threatened never takes place. If the chief, whoever has been enskinned, if they find him and they have to pick him up, 
they should do that. If that is what is going to bring peace in Boko, I mean, I am all for it because at the end of the day, we cannot actually uh, watch on whilst Boko deteriorates where it has got into at the moment. Every day is one story or the other bad story when it comes to Boko. Uh, thank you very much, Anambona, a security analyst, then talking about security, uh, particularly in the Boku uh, and its uh, other bordering and uh, towns of border. Uh, other neighboring countries. The president, the commander-in-chief, President Akufuado, uh, is today expressing concern about the uh, influx of refugees and the possibility that uh, terrorists may take advantage of this to destabilize parts of the country uh, that border these, uh, you know, the border towns. A recent strike on a terrorist hideout at uh, Border Town Po near Ghana's uh, Paga border generated concerns about the influx of refugees and consequences for Ghana. Listen to the president who wants an immediate solution. One of the biggest problems that we're having in Ghana today already, of course, is the issue of refugees as a result of the dislocations that are taking place uh, within the Sahel. Uh, we have, I mean, uh, until recently it was quite evident, people coming from Chad, littering our streets, young people, young children and women in very disastrous circumstances. We now have an influx of people from Burkina Faso as a result of the turbulence and insurgency that is going there. So we're, we're very familiar with the issue of refugees and the need for us to, uh, all of us, find a, a solution to uh, stability and to good governance in these various countries. The, the idea that by 2050 there will be 1.2 billion refugees in the world is an alarming prospect for all of us. Well, we can hear from uh, security analysts with the Kofi Annan International uh, Peacekeeping Training Center, uh, Professor Kwesi Enin, who says it's time now uh, to end the rhetoric and take action. There are no borders. Apart from, you know, from where Boko is, apart from Pusiga and Kulungungu, where you can see thousands of people coming in and out every day, if you know Kulungugu, for example, they don't have the technical equipment, you know, the scanners to be able to scan any of these hundreds of 40 foot containers coming through, filled with bicycles, onions, spare parts, whatever you want to call it. You know, so the rhetoric is fantastic about beefing up border security. The reality on the ground. That it doesn't exist. And that's uh, uh, Professor Kwesien in there. I want to bring in the Executive Director of the Ghana Refugee Board. Uh, joins us on the telephone line right now, Mr. Tetapati. Thank you, sir, for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you for having me, Iran. Um, we just heard the President there. Of course, obviously concerned about the influx of refugees. Uh, do we have the exact numbers of how many people have crossed in to Ghana, uh, Burkina Faso, mm -hmm. and other neighboring uh, you know, communities uh, so far? Um, yeah, so for those who have come into Ghana, uh, the Ghana Immigration Service has been recording the numbers, and we also registered um, over a 1,000 people. Uh, but what the people on the ground tell us is that the people, the Burkinabes, move uh, back and forth. Um, as and when they feel the situation has calmed down, uh, they go back. So there's a lot of movement uh, across the border. Uh, so we don't, I'm, I'm currently um, in, in the region and uh, with the UNHCR representative. And we have not seen large numbers, but we have seen the Burkina Bays who have been here, uh, who clearly need assistance, who clearly need help. The host communities have done a lot uh, by absorbing them and uh, catering for them and sharing their resources with them. Uh, but um, they clearly need uh, some help, and 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 we are stepping in. I mean, the concern that has been expressed by the president and other uh, security analysts is uh, the possibility uh, that uh, people wanting to foment trouble may infiltrate. Uh, you're screening them, and you're sifting the those genuinely in as refugees, and those who possibly may become threats. Absolutely. Um there's that, that threat is, is real, it exists. But what the, what the situation is that we are working very closely 
with the security agencies. We are not working in isolation. Uh, we don't have the expertise, but we're working very closely with the relevant agencies who um, are looking at the security side of things. And, and if they don't go in, we don't come in. Thank you very much, uh, Tete Paddy. And Tete Paddy is uh, the executive director of the Ghana Refugee Board. Are you in any of these uh, border towns? And have you seen anything? Please share with us here on Newsline 055-111-997. Attorney General uh, Godfrey Yabadami is tonight sounding defiance, declaring he will not withdraw his legal advice to the Auditor General. He is now fighting back, saying those urging him to do so uh, advancing what he says is an absurd legal opinion. Uh, Dr. Dami had urged the Auditor General to unpublish his audit findings into the use of COVID-19 funds. He argued the report ought not be published till Parliament's Public Accounts Committee probes the matter. This view has since been flatly rejected by the Centre for Democratic Development, the opposition NDC and chairman of the Public Accounts Committee. Now, they had all argued that the AG and asked him to withdraw the advice. Now, listen to Mr. Dami address the issue. Actually, very much unjustified, unwarranted, and indeed upset for one to um, suggest that I ought to withdraw the letter that constitutionally I was mandated and to write. I stand by the contents of the press release today, and clearly you see the constitutional and statutory provisions that I advise the support of my position. It tells us that my position was justified in law, and on the contrary, the positions taken by some civil society members <coughs> are clearly um, insupportable. I think that the, the, the call for which withdraw and advice that I gave to Director General in lawful exercise of my constitutional mandate under the 1992 Constitution, and I've referred to those provisions in, in, in the law, um, Article 189 of, of the Constitution, Article 295 of the Constitution, as soon as the fundamental provision, Article 88 of the Constitution, which shows that indeed the Attorney General ought to be the legal advisor to the other service, which is part of the public service of Ghana, and that's the Auditor General. is also part of the other services, which is also a member of the, of the public service of Ghana. So clearly, I did not see how it can be contended that Attorney General cannot advise Auditor General. That is an absurdity of the highest um, 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 standards or standards, uh, the highest order. And I think that it's is, is unwarranted. Indeed, it will constitute a very dangerous precedent um, for this nation if the audit service were to be taken out of the public services listed in the Constitution. It's clearly listed in the Constitution in Article 190 as part of the public service of Ghana. So I, I think that the, the, the letter that I wrote clearly fortified by law understand by the content of it. On the substantive issue of the auditing process and the publication and parliament, what do you think the procedure should actually be? Well, I think the procedure has set out the constitution that the Ottawa upon the preparation of this um, um, report is required to submit same to parliament. Parliament is also required to debate same and refer to an appropriate committee of parliament. So that process actually implies deliberation and scrutiny of, of the Italian support. I think that it's very important to state that, yes, we are building nation, uh, a nation, and the nation is governed by laws. The General, especially at this current Italian General, clearly has been up to up to the task. Now, I do not think that we ought to sensationalize the issues by um, this uh, unwarranted um, perception that the Italian General or any or member of government is seeking to interfere the functions of the of the auditor general. The auditor general is doing a good job, but of course, in doing so, he must be guided by the constitution and the laws of Ghana. Yeah. And that is all I seem to do. That whatever he does, he must be guided by the constitution and the laws of Ghana. We'll be collaborating on various issues. I am the first attorney to actually issue a writ in the High Court in Kumasi on trying to enforce a disallowance and surcharge issued by this current auditor general. This current auditor general issued some uh, um, notice of surcharge and disallowance. And in December last year, Officer Atenjo in Kumasi filed a writ in Kumasi seeking to recover the amount that the Atenjo has sought from, from the person in question. It's a matter of record. So we have, we give him every support. Of course, I think that for the sake of order and good governance, there ought to be compliance with the Constitution and that, 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 that ought to be all under the law. No one's above the law. Some have questioned the timing of the opinion. Yaksin, why now? 
of the legal advice. Why, why now? the COVID expenditure issue? Why the why? other reports that have been issued over the period? Yes. So, so the fact that there is a repetition of unconditionality, uh, does, I mean, uh, any unconditionality, no matter the times it's repeated, does not ripen into legality or conditionality. An unconditional conduct, however, it is when repeated so often, doesn't ripen the act into um, a conditionality. It doesn't change the nature of the act. If other <laughs> attorney general never wrote such a letter or never gave such an advice, I can afford it. I mean, I think in, in my time, this issue has arisen. And I thought that for the sake of the future, we must guide the work of the Auditor General properly. That is all. Have you seen the response from the Auditor General on this? And what do you expect him to do going forward? I have not seen the response of the Auditor I don't know if you have seen the response of the I haven't seen that. What do you expect him to comply? If he doesn't comply, what will you be doing? I mean, I think, I think these questions really um, seek to create some kind of conflict between and that is the Attorney General, uh, Godfrey Abadami, in interview with my colleague Joseph Akable, still ahead here on Newsnight, put the human being at the center of the anti-LGBTQ bill debate. That's the call from the Archbishop of Canterbury as he meets with President Tukufado. Is to remember that when we talk about human sexuality, we're dealing with people, and they're people for whom Christ died, as for all of us. So what's the president's response? But the, the parliament is, is in full grips with that. I will have my say on it at the end of the day. You want to stay with us for details of that and more after business. Hello, George. Hi, Evans. And uh, coming up in business, January monthly inflation witnessed the lowest growth over the past one year. But is it a sign that we are finally peaked with the rate we hear from the government's statistician and fetch hints of plans to further downgrade Ghana's credit ratings if situation to Western status if government fails to honor keep on payments on maturing local bonds. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Life and Ghana Pay. The other day, I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secrets, mm, he said, it's empty and business broadband. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all-inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. Shout! I signed on immediately. <laughs> to enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 764209 or 
smells great here. And fresh, my love. Ha, I wish I could stay in the shower all day. <laughs> I know, right? Nothing beats a bath with geisha soap. It smells so good, it lasts long, and it's enriched with natural ingredients that work wonders for my skin. Mm -hmm. And it now comes with a fresh new look, giving us even more reasons to love our geisha bar. <laughs> new and improved geisha soap. Great new look, better fragrance, same natural ingredients, still all lost. Um, this advert is FDA approved. Be strong and last long. You welcome back to Business on News Night. On the month-on-month -month inflation rate for January this year, witnessed its lowest growth over the past one year. This was captured in the Consumer Price Index report issued by the Ghana Statistical Service today. There is more in this report. The Ghana Statistical Service data showed that the monthly inflation rate for January stood at 1.7%. This is the lowest since January 2022. The Statistical Service data argued that the reduction in the rate can be largely linked to slowdown of non-food items over the past one month. It also maintained that the Ghana see this marginal stability over the past one month might have contributed to the slowdown in the inflation rate for the month of January. Based on the data, it appears the high prices of some imported items did not help Ghana's inflation dynamics as inflation for imported items was 62.5% while inflation for locally produced items was 50%. The Ghana Statistical Service was, however, quick to add that, despite the significant drop in the producer price index last month, it might take some time before it impacted positively on national inflation rate numbers. And that is a business DEX report. But has inflation peaked? That's the question we pose to government statistician Professor Samuel Kobnenin. Given the reversal, one can argue that defeat, but one can also argue that it's a short-term peak or a long-term peak. And this one always need to be careful about. So we've seen a reversal at a point 54.1% and now 53.6%. A number of factors should be taken into consideration and the position on whether we've peaked or not. We've seen marginal increases in four prices until the last one that occurred in the month of the latter part of January that possibly could feed into the February. We are not too sure about how that is going to impact on it. We've seen changes in duties that occurred in the first month of February, which one has to keep in mind in the conversation of whether we've picked or not. And the third issue that we need to keep in mind are the high rates that we recorded in the in the year 2022. And this is what yes has been referred to as the base effect. And that is government statistician Professor Samuel Kobna Inin. Now, ratings agency Fitch has warned that it will not hesitate to downgrade Ghana's credit worthiness into Western status in the coming month. That is if government fails to honor the interest payments on bonds issued that have matured. It's coming after the finance ministry announced that it will honor these payments in line with government's fiscal commitment, a move that the agency describes as worrying. Now, Fitch, they cut Ghana's credit worthiness to restricted default from CC due to the debt exchange program and a default made on some coupon payments that had matured. Meanwhile, economists with GCB Capital Courage Bochi tells Joy Business this action by Fitch was expected. Looks like it's not a doomsday thing if the IMF program starts, if government is able post EDP, demonstrate that over the long term or demonstrate over the, their projections and then behaviors and actual fiscal performance. And the outlook suggests that we could be honoring those debts, even in these new forms as they are. And it will not be facing some of the similar issues we faced that led us to that some of these conversations. You can always get your ratings back, but on the basis of the fact that people are getting much less than what the initial terms of their bonds are. And especially, of course, this rating focus on just local currency debt, but similar thing was done when we suspended interest payment for external debts, really. I mean, it just tells you that we are giving the investors less than what they expected. And so those are, uh, if you like, 
default situations, and that is where we are seeing the kind of ratings we are seeing. Courage Boti is an economist with GCB Capital, not the Africa Center for Retirement Research, has joined calls for pensioners to be exempted from the domestic debt exchange program. It's coming on the back of the continuous picketing at the Ministry of Finance by these pensioners. Now, this is despite the fact that the finance minister can offer to today claim that the decision has been taken on these pensioners. Now, Abdullah Mashoud is the executive director of the Africa Center for Retirement Research. We are all in a queue on the timeline and we surely get to the retirement office. We must all speak up for this vulnerable and voiceless group in government bonds. The Minister of Finance must listen. The desperate decision to include pensioner bondholders in the debt exchange program is insensitive, not in line with best practices, and could greatly impact the debt statistics of the pensioner population. The discussion on involving pensioner bondholders in the program has given us a sense of of the proportion of pensioners who invest in government bonds and has brought up important questions about how survivors of these pensioners who invest in bonds get paid. Abdullah Mashoud is the executive director for the African Center for Retirement Research. Executive Chairman of AIDC Digital, Ambrose Yen, has called on government to invest heavily in internet expansion and accessibility. He has been speaking at the launch of the first AEDC AI Center of Excellence in Accra. As I've mentioned in my address, government is doing well and several other uh, countries. I think we listed about six countries that have uh, invested very well in ICT development in terms of infrastructure. So once uh, we have the infrastructure and uh, there's connectivity, you know, so access becomes uh, more widespread. So we need to increase the numbers so that more people can get access to internet so that they can have the applications ultimately become beneficial to them. Uh, for me, going forward, the challenge is illiteracy because everything is hinged on technology now going forward. Otherwise, in some years to come, all companies or individuals who have refused to move along with uh, technology will find it very difficult to operate. Ambrose is the chairman of AID. EC Digital. Now, Vanguard Assurance has launched the same-day claim reload initiative to give customers claims below 10,000 Ghana cities access to their claims on the same day after filing for payment of their claims, according to the head of distribution at Vanguard Assurance. Someone assuming the initiative is introduced to cushion citizens in these tough times. We've uh, reloaded our same-day claim payment where we are telling the public that any of our customers who is involved in a motor accident and the cost of repairing the vehicle, if it is 10000 and below, once you bring the needed documentation within that same day, 24-hour period, before 3 p.m., we will pay the claim. So we also mentioned that there's no need for most of our clients to be working into our various offices to process their claims, but they can do that online. And that is uh, Samuel Isumi. He is the head of distribution at Vanguard Assurance. And that's all for business on Newsnight. George, thank you very much. And you are live on Newsnight. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. A few of your messages on our WhatsApp console. Uh, this one from Senna in Agonu. Uh, it says AG must allow Auditor General to do the work for a better Ghana. He says, and this one from Adam Kojo, he says, I hope the difference bond amounts to the total of bond maturing in 2023, which could be a provision for settlement as detailed in the 2023 budget. If not, then an investigation must be conducted as soon as possible. Uh, just two of your comments there on the stories we've done so far. Now, Parliament will soon start the consideration of the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian Family Values Bill. The private member's motion, sponsored by the members of Parliament for Prom Prom Sam George and others, proposes to introduce wide-ranging restrictions on LGBTQ plus rights when passed. Human rights activists have kicked against some portions of the provisions in this particular bill last night at the Jubilee House. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Portal-Welby, 
appeal to the country to put the human being at the center of the debate. I suppose the most sensitive within the Anglican Communion has been that around human sexuality and identity. That has been a very difficult issue, as I'm sure you are aware. There are radically different views on this around the world, and it is an area in which many countries try uh, to enforce their view on others. What we are trying to do in the Anglican Communion, you'll hear many stories, is to remember that when we talk about human sexuality, we're dealing with people, and they're people for whom Christ died, as for all of us. And therefore, we seek to find a way forward in which every human being, regardless of any other factors, may know that they are loved by Jesus Christ and has an opportunity to find the salvation which comes from Christ. That is the position of the Church of England. I know it's a very hot topic in Ghana. I will go nowhere near telling you what to do. Um, I have a lot of trouble telling anyone what to do. A plea for the recognition that behind these issues are always human beings. Well, President Akufado wants a balanced strike between the cultural norms of the country and the rights of individuals. We can, we can sympathize with very much. The issue of human sexuality and identity is, 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 is today a very current issue, a very live issue here in Ghana. It's even produced uh, the, uh, legislation, a private member's legislation in the House, which uh, the Parliament is grappling with. The, the, the consequences, hopefully, will be ones that will recognize the, the culture and the, and, 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 the, and the societal attitudes, but at the same time, um, recognize the humanity of all people involved. And, 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 and hopefully, the law that will be fashioned will be a law that enables this balance to be carefully struck. But the, the parliament is, 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 is in full gross with that. I will have my say on it at the end of the day. But for the time being, we will leave it to the parliament to. Now, John is learning the Legal and Constitutional Committee is yet to uh, finalize uh, the bill. And uh, it's now one that uh, it's been a while since we talked about it. And now that it's come up again uh, with. Uh, Mr. Welby uh, talking about it when he met the president. Let's get a very latest on it now. Sam George, uh, who of course led the drafting of this particular bill, uh, joins us on the telephone line right now. Mr. George, thank you very much for your time here on Newsnight. Good evening, everyone. Give me a quick reaction to the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, the Reverend, very Reverend Honorable Welby, Justin Welby seems to have struck a fine balance in his position on the subject matter. Um, it's one that I respect, and it's one that I think should be a guide for all of us. Um, the bill that my colleagues and I are sponsoring respects the fundamental human rights of every Ghanaian, irrespective of their sexual orientation. However, it's mindful of our cultural norms. Um, it's important to bear in mind that he makes a distinction about the fact that people must always know that the love of God exists. Um, the bill is not a religious bill, and so even though we respect the love of God and the forgiving nature of God, we have a criminal jurisprudence in our country that punishes wrong and determines what is right and wrong. And even in the Bible, it's not a carte blanche that God just loves people without consequences for their actions. Um, if you read Proverbs 11, 21, it says, Be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. So even from the perspective of the Bible, which the Archbishop of Canterbury is rightly exalted, uh, it's not like the enjoying the skin of being out of God unpunished. So even with Christ, there are consequences. There will be no heaven and there will be no hell. There's punishment for the actions people take. You must admit your sin for them to be forgiven. 
So from a religious perspective, it's not a carte blanche. And then from a legal and cultural perspective, we have what's an acceptable traditional norm and what is the legally acceptable position on sexual orientation in our country. And the legislation that we're sponsoring will in no way take away the fundamental human rights of persons to have their day in court in a competent court of jurisdiction. But one of the key clauses that we have proposed in the punishment, including jail time for persons who carry out extrajudicial action against persons accused of any of the things relating to criminal rights. I think we're on the same wavelength. Mm. And where's the bill now? What's the update on it? Well, the bill is largely done at the committee level. Um, but for the Attorney General, by now debates will have started. The Attorney General has held us up for a while um, because this bill was... Um, uh, memos were invited. The Attorney General was in the country. He didn't bring a memo. For over almost 16 months, staff have been with us working on the bill. And just when we were done with the first by first consideration, the Attorney General sends us back by bringing in a bill, a, a memo. A memo that, again, is inconsequential largely because 90% of the things he's talking about have been dealt with by the committee and the cross by cross consideration already. However, we have a meeting with Attorney General finally scheduled for tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And we believe that that meeting should bring to a finality whatever issues he has in his memo. And then the committee can present his report as and when the Secretariat is done. We're hopeful that within a week or two of tomorrow's meeting, the committee will have been able to complete his report and prepare it for presentation. But we have the hope that before the end of this meeting of Parliament, which is supposed to possibly end on the 31st of March, the report of the committee will be ready and will be tabled for the debates on the floor of the House. Uh, Sam George, thank you very much. You're still live here on Newsnight on Joy 99.7 FM. There is, this is a big night when it comes to football. There is that, yeah, I mean, I'll call it the title decider in the uh, Premier League that is uh, waiting all of us at 8 p.m. And then there is the Champions League. Um, big games also tonight. When do you get titanic clashes all in one night? It's happening tonight, and uh, Ms. Bao is here. I'm pretty sure, Ms. Bao, you have something to tell us, an update. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That big game between Arsenal and Manchester City coming up pretty shortly in some 45 minutes' time. But former Manchester City player uh, Julian Lescott, he came to Ghana as part of Manchester City's water project, Xylem Water Project, which they embark in, in Cape Coast in the central region of Ghana. And he spoke exclusively to Joy Sports on Kamal Dean's Big money move to Southampton, and he says the player has all it takes to thrive in the English Premier League. He says Southampton are a team that are noted for building and developing talent, and he's confident that Kamal Din Suleiman will grow at Southampton. It is tough. Um, there'll be an expectation, but I'm sure the expectation the club and everyone else puts him on him won't be the same as he puts on himself. I'm sure he expects to do well and hopes to do well. So. Hopefully that is the case for him, um, and it's a, it's not a short-term project. They haven't signed him just for the last six months of this season. Um, the, the model that Southampton are using is, is similar to the one of Dortmund in regards to trying to recruit younger players um, to try and develop them. So I'm sure that's the case with him, and I'm sure he just wants to play. Um, the opportunity to, to play in the Premier League, regardless of who it's for, is a big opportunity for everyone. So hopefully he does well and, and shines a, a great light on, on Ghana football. So, Julian Lescott, the two-time Premier League winner and former Manchester City player, spoke to my colleague, Michelle Quaino there. Well, Evans, like you mentioned, uh, the Premier League commentary, uh, Champions League commentary continues tonight on Joe 99.7 FM and 8 p.m. Which games are those? I mean, Chelsea and Dortmund. Woo! Big game in Germany. Hot. Live commentary here. Fento Tahir and Gary Ausmith will bring you. What time does it start, though? 8 p.m. Whoosh. Same time as the... Uh, Man City versus yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. Oh goodness! So you're gonna be watching oh this a bit God. and watching this a bit. Yeah, I'm a, how am I gonna do? It? But look, so here's the thing: I'm gonna listen to commentary on on radio, okay? And I'm gonna watch 
um, muted mm. the the television. The, you oh, know, that's just the uh, Arsenal. Manchester. It's a big game. It's a big yeah, game. Yeah, you know, yeah. but Arsenal, their current form. Mm, mm, mm. It's difficult. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you, members. But I'm grateful uh, for for that update. And, and listen, I quickly want to update you. And tomorrow there will be a countdown to the finance minister uh, appearing before a parliament to, to update the house on the domestic debt exchange program. And I'm sure you've heard. Uh, as we, we've been uh, talking about the developing story all day, uh, the finance minister meeting with the uh, individual uh, pensioners, bondholders, and assuring them that he'll be taking their case to the president and may announce an exemption for them uh, tomorrow when he appears before parliament. The man who filed um, the uh, the request for the finance minister to come before parliament uh, joins us on the telephone line right now. It is Samuel Kujito Ablakwa, and uh, people Tong is on the line with us. Uh, Mr. Ablakwa, thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Always a pleasure, Ivan. So, your expectations uh, tomorrow when the finance minister comes before you? I expect that the finance minister will be candid, will be transparent, he will be very sincere. I expect him to present a comprehensive and very factual account of this whole domestic debt exchange program. I am also expecting the finance minister to come clean on a number of discrepancies. When you look at the statement he issued on the 5th of December 2022, he said that the domestic exchange will be an exchange of some 137 billion bonds, domestic bonds, which includes ESLA, Dachi bonds, and uh, uh, new bonds issued by the Republic. You compare that statement to what he issued yesterday, and the numbers are not adding up. They claim that more than 84% of bondholders have signed up. Uh, with that figure, 83 billion Ghana cities. They are not they are not adding up. So we will need to understand exactly what has gone on. We are also concerned that it appears that some opaque window was created for some shadowy bondholders to, as it were, do a quick transfer into the treasury bill market. How come that was not announced, that was not known by anybody, and others appear to have enjoyed a preferential treatment? That discrimination, what explains that? Then we are also interested in why we are here. Why should we be here in the first place? Why has the finance minister brought all of this untold hardship, this excruciating pain, where we have senior citizens now picketing the Ministry of Finance, where we have all of this anxiety, the the, 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 the the collapse of this economy, the unsustainable debt, which he was benefiting from. His bank, Data Bank, was at the center of really profiting from our miseries. So we expect him to be very transparent, to come clean, and to do an impartial diagnosis mm. of why we are here and what measures he will be putting in place to ensure that we never return to this terrible place we find ourselves. So mm. the expectations that we have. Thank you very much. And it's going to be live on uh, the Journey's channel, live also on Joy 99.7 FM and across our many social media platforms. And now let's talk about the classroom project because some 700 school children are risking their lives daily, uh, sitting in weak school structures just to access education. Having told the tragic story of the uh, seven kindergarten children who lost their lives in Bremen, Jamra, six years ago, we here at the Multimedia Group Limited have decided that we will not sit back for that to happen again and, and yes that's why we 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 here are asking you to make a contribution to complete the school for these children so it doesn't happen again listen to one of the children affected it is dangerous for us to learn on. when the rent enter the classroom the classroom will be very dirty here so we don't want this class again we want a new one we please them to help us this new building so that we can live comfortably in that 
new room. When it is raining, our ceiling will be removing. The water will be coming inside this room, so we don't want this class again. We want a new one. We feel shaking when the when the rain is falling. We feel shaking. We fear. We fear that the uh, the building will breaking. We are begging them to come and help us to build the building. You want to contribute and make a donation? The uh, Momo number is zero five nine three zero three eight eight three two. And the account name is Multimedia Group Limited. The number again is 059-303-8832. If you want to send uh, to a bank account, there's uh, access bank account number 0090 The branch code is 009 and the SWIFT code is ABNGGHAC, all capitals. Enjoy the rest of your evening.